Welcome and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now let's listen to Pastor Deb Hilton as she shares her message from the She Makes a Difference Women's Conference 2018. Have a listen. Everyone good? Afternoon sessions is always the sleepy one. So let me try and keep you awake, okay? Okay. Yes, please. Just I may or may not use it. All right. Have you had a good day so far? Amen. Someone has. This part of the you guys have had a great day. That's good. Anyone else? Yeah, can I hear a better amen and yes? All right, that's good. That's what I like to hear. Well, I just want to talk to you a minute about my book. I don't know if any of you have bought it yet, but I've called it Just Say Yes, and I'll be talking a little bit about that today. But um, when I wrote this, God had uh, put it in my heart when we first moved. uh, When was it? Uh, Sorry, let me think. When we were about to move to Vietnam. And... um, I said, because God had moved us from our hometown in Newcastle to a place called Tasmania. Anyone know Tasmania? <laughs> you think that's, you're isolated. And so when, and when we went there, and you'll hear a little bit about that if you come to church tomorrow, but when we went there, we went through a, a financial revolution. We lost everything. And God took us through the Bible school of life. And then when he called us to Vietnam, it's like, okay, God. We've done this thing before, so I need something from you every day. So this particular book is in three parts. The first part, which you heard a tiny bit of my growing up years, is about my growing up years and basically to say you don't have to be defined by your past. And the second part of the book is all about the Bible school of life that God took us through, where he took everything from us but then he replaced us with everything that we needed and we got to know God in a way that we've never known him before and then when God called us from Tasmania to Vietnam I said God I want something from you every day so it was 200 days from that day to the day we got on the plane and God did 200 days of miracles so if you are on a journey of just needing faith step and needing to know that God is with you. You know what? You hear stories in the Bible and you hear, you know, Abraham did this and then the next thing he's this. Noah built a boat and the next thing they're on the water. There is day after day after day, hour after hour of living between those two events. And my third part is really a day-by-day thing where God just showed me revelation after revelation of him in every situation. So is there anyone going through something like that right now? Okay, come and get this. This is for you. Who put their hand up? Just say yes. It's a trusting thing. I've got one more. Okay. God bless you. I don't want to take any of my books home, so if you haven't got one yet, I tell you what, it'll bless your socks off. Not because I wrote it, because... Uh, When I wrote that book, God said, I want you to write a book. I said, God, I hardly read. And you want me to write a book. I'll do a deal with you. Um, I will get my computer out. 
I knew what he wanted me to write about, but I had no idea about writing. So I just said, God, I'll do a deal with you. I'll open my computer. I'll spend time in your word. And now you start talking. So for the next four years, God spoke. And those words are in that book. And I tell you, every time I felt like this is not good enough, God would say, you cannot say that because I wrote this. So it is anointed and appointed. So it'll do you good. Okay, so are you ready? All right. That's, let me get the right message. I love how Mez has a phone. But you know what? Phones can die. The batteries die. You always got paper. But you know what? If you want to tweak something, you don't have your computer to just fix it up. So I've got writing everywhere. But anyway, remember this morning I talked about significance and I hope that you've got a revelation that each one of us are significant and that God sees each and every one of us. He doesn't look at you as a crowd, but he looks at you as individuals and he sees each one of you and he hears each one of you and he knows you by name and he knows you intimately. And he also talks to you about not looking at other people's walk, but look at the walk that God has for you. So I want to speak today about, to this afternoon, sorry, about what is the call of God upon your life? What has God called you to specifically? So let's just pray and I want God to start to speak to you. Because you know what? Sometimes we think, well, I don't exactly know what God has for me. But it's in there. I know it's in there. I remember praying for a group of people once and I had an altar call and this guy came to the front and he said, I really don't know. I just know that I'm called, but I don't know what to. I put my hand on his stomach and I said, what's the first thing out of your mouth? And he said, I'm called to this. And he didn't even realise that was in him because God already, I said, that is what you're called to because it's in you. But sometimes we don't know that. But I'm going to ask the Lord to just really prepare your hearts now for the call of God on your life. Every one of us has it. Let's just stand for a minute. Because um, it's good to stand because we can fall asleep in afternoons. We're not having any of that. No afternoon sleeps here. Okay, Heavenly Father God, we just prepare our hearts right now for what you want to speak into our lives. Lord, already you've created us with purpose. You've created us with call. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll start to just rumble and prepare hearts and remind people of what you've called them to. And Lord, that there'll be a faith step taken this afternoon to step into that, Lord, and to trust you in it, Father God. Lord, take the words that I speak speak and bring life to them by your spirit in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can sit down. So the question is, what is God whispering you to you about? He is whispering. What has been whispering, what has he been whispering to you about maybe in the last month, in the last year, or maybe in the last years? 
you know, that you have actually not taken a step forward to do. Maybe like, was it, what was the girl's name, lady's name before, Sharon's? She talked about fear. The biggest stumbling block to all of us. But it, there's a scripture and I've got it up here and it's Isaiah 30, 21. And it says this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying this. This is the way, walk in it. And I want to tell you, no matter how far, even if you feel you're off track, you have to know that God is not far from you and he's whispering to you. And he's saying, come this way. And you may feel like, well, I'm so far off track here. How can I possibly get back here? Do you realise that God has the ability to bring us back into line? Like I said this morning, it's all about heart and our motive. If we have the right heart, we have the right motive, we don't have to worry about getting back on track. God will bring us into the right track. I'm... Who knows the voice of God when he hears the voice of God? I'm not talking about your everyday where God help me, bless me, tell me this, that and the other. I'm talking about that voice of God when he says, hey, Deb, I'm trying to get your attention here because I've got something I want to talk to you about. Who has had that voice? Who knows that voice? I know that voice. I know that voice quite well. In fact, I've had that voice as a voice of correction. And let me tell you now, if we don't stay teachable, that can stifle us from moving forward into the call of God. And God has talked to me about things when, uh, for example, you know, someone's done wrong to me and you start talking about it and you might be talking about something completely different and you end up on this, you know what these people did. And I remember God speaking to me one day, he said, Deb, that's enough. That's enough. And, you know, sometimes we have to be teachable, and I'm not saying it's always like that, but something that's causing us to stifle from moving forward, we have to stay teachable. But other times it's when God is wanting to get our attention because he's got something in mind for us. And it could be like Sharon talked about, change. It could be God getting our attention that he's been trying to for the last month, the last year, the last years. And saying, I've got something in mind for you. And I'm asking you to to listen. And he spoke to me like this. We've been in Vietnam for 20 years. And in 1998, we moved there. When we moved to Vietnam, it was a very sleepy town. I think I told you this morning, some people called it the armpit of Vietnam. Because there was nothing there. We have teams visit. And in those days, you didn't get online and book your tickets. You went to a travel agent. And so the teams would go to the travel agent and go, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to Da Nang. You're going to Da Nang to go where? No, I'm just going to Da Nang. Why would you go there? So it was pretty sleepy. But the, the country had just opened up to the west. And... The, the people had a, like an innocence about them. There was no Western anything. You couldn't get anything Western, even TV. It was everything was just Vietnamese, Vietnamese news, Vietnamese everything. But after several years of the country being opened up, um, you know, things started to develop and 
Western things were coming in and people were starting to see things beyond Vietnam. And it was nearly, it was about 10 years in because it was very slow development, but about eight years after we'd been there, there was starting to grow this development. And it was 10 years in and I was sitting at my desk in our centre, our um, ministry centre in Vietnam, and God spoke to me and he showed me a picture of a highway and he showed me the generation rising up in Vietnam. And, he's, and at this, in this highway, there was two forks. And this generation standing at the forks. And God spoke to me and he said, Deb, there is a generation rising up in this new season of Vietnam. And they're going to make decisions. So they can make wrong decisions or right decisions. And I want you to bring in life skills that are going to help them to make right decisions. And I went, God, that is amazing. That sounds so good. And I sat on it. And I didn't do anything about it. Because God had spoken, but I didn't say anything. And the next thing you know, it was about three or four months later, God spoke to me again. And this is what he said to me. He said, Deb... If you don't do what I've asked you to do, I'll get someone who will. And, you know, that's a scary thing for God to say. And I want to read from Matthew 22, 1 to 10, and it's up on board here. And it talks about Jesus. You know, I think it's interesting how Jesus has to give us stories for making us understand because we're so dumb sometimes. So it says, Jesus responded by telling still more stories. It says, still more stories. So God's kingdom, he says, is like a king who threw a wedding banquet for his son. He sent out servants to call in all the invitation guests, but they wouldn't come. He sent out another round of servants, instructing them to tell the guests, look, everything is on the table. The prime rib is ready for carving. Come to the feast. But they only shrugged their shoulders and went off, one to weed his garden, another to work in his shop. The rest, with nothing better to do, beat up the messengers and then killed them. The king was outraged and sent his soldiers to destroy the thugs and level their cities. Then he told his servants, we have a wedding banquet and it's all prepared, but no guests. This is the king we're talking about. I mean, who likes to go to weddings? I mean, weddings are amazing in Australia. You go to a wedding in Vietnam, it's a whole other level. It's just karaoke, 500 people, it's noisy, you can't hear anything. It's not a, the whole thing's not about the bride and groom, it's about the guests. The bride and groom have to walk around all the tables. They don't get to eat. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But in Australia... When you go to a wedding, it's like, wow, this is a privilege. I get to go to this wedding. But here, this is the king we're talking about. The king is sending an invitation and these invited guests are shrugging it off. And he says this, the ones I invited weren't up for it. Whoa. Whoa. Right there, that's sobering. The ones I invited weren't up to it. So let's, why don't you just go out to the busiest intersections in the town and invite anyone you find to the banquet. 
So the servants went out on the streets and rounded up everyone they laid eyes on, good and bad, regardless. And so the banquet was on and every place was filled. If we're going to be women that make a difference, we need to know that when God sends us an invitation, we cannot, we cannot ignore it. It says the banquet was ready. Everything was ready. Everything we needed was on that banquet table. It was organized. Everything we needed for that call, that invitation was there. I sat on my invitation from God. For the, from the king until God tapped me on the shoulder and he said to me if you don't answer the call I've asked you to call, do I will get someone who will and there's a call on each and every one of us each and every one of us you know no one to exception and God says if you don't answer it I'll get someone who will But you know, the king's intention, his original intention was never to have the whosoevers answer the call that you and I were called to go into. God's plan was never for the whosoever, but you know, if necessary, if necessary, he will call them. So when God said that to me, Deb, if you don't do what I've asked you to do, I'll get someone who will. I immediately picked up the phone. And I rang some friends in Australia who were running life school programs in Newcastle, our hometown. And I said, Tracy, and I told her what God had said. I said, Tracy, is there any way that you could come and train me and my team and some, some of our leaders in our city in life skills? And she said, it's funny you ring me today. Thank God for second chances. It's funny you ring me today. We were heading to Sri Lanka to train this course and they've just cancelled. We can come now. I tell you what, God is a God of second chances and he's a God of second chances for all of us. But there will come a point where he'll say, if you don't answer, I'll get someone who will. See, when he spoke, he said... Everything I have is on the table. Everything. So Tracy came, and I want to tell you the story of this because I want to talk about the power of answering the call of God. I had no idea how to run life skill programs. All I knew is God said, I want you to do it. And if God says, I want you to do something... And he says, the banquet table is set and it's got everything on it you need. You have to know he's equipped you for what you need, even if at the point of time of being told, you don't realise it's there. So Tracy and a friend of hers came. We gathered about 20 leaders and some people from our team. And she's training us and I'm saying, God... Okay, so how do you want me to do this? You're saying, you're showing me a nation. You're showing me a nation of youth and this generation rising up. And you're saying to run life skill course, what, one course at a time? So I finally get this whole nation known that they've got a purpose, they've got a worth, they've got value, they've got, you know, a destiny to live. One at a time, he said, no, I want you to multiply this. And I thought, well, the only way to multiply something is to train trainers. So as we're training, as we're getting closer to the end of this course, we were asked to write a vision. 
And so I started writing and God showed me fires burning. At first he said, you'll take this north, south, east and west. And I went, wow, God, north Vietnam, south Vietnam, country Vietnam, coastal Vietnam. That is amazing. But as I was writing the vision, God showed me fires across southeast Asia. And I was just overwhelmed because it's like, I can't do this, but God is saying, if I call you, I will equip you. If I call you, I will equip you. What happened was, after Tracy left, we started to just put a call out for anyone who may possibly be interested in being trained to go and teach kids or youth, sorry, women and girls in life skills, understanding their worth, their value, their purpose. We started getting phone calls from all across Southeast Asia. And within three months, we had nine nations sitting in our office being trained. And so over the next several years, we had right across Southeast Asia, women running this particular program that we were, we were running. And um, over those years, God started to speak to me and said, I want you to now write your own. Because this particular program we were using was good, but it was Australian written and there's nothing wrong with that and it worked in a lot of capital cities. But when you start peeling off layers of culture... You need to think about culture. So God said, I want you to write a program that's going to go across many cultures. So me and another lady who works with me, we went and we we just spent time. We spent a month in prayer and just putting bones on a new, completely different uh, program, which we call Flourish, which is interesting. And that was birth, and then we took a year to flesh it out because every time we got an idea for this particular course, it was like, but how will that work in a Muslim nation? How will that work in Africa? How will that work in Asia? How will that work in a Western country? So it took a year to birth this thing. And it's only been going three and a half years, and we're already in 14 nations. And next month, we're going to train every Stan nation, all Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, all them. We're training them, and we have about, and I am not exaggerating, I am evangelist, but I'm not exaggerating. When I say we have at least seven other nations waiting in the wings, this has gone crazy. Now, the point is this. It's not, aren't we great? But the point is this. If the whosoever had answered my call, I would have been sitting in the grandstand watching the players doing my, my game. And I tell you what, that is the most frustrating, disappointing, empty feeling you could possibly have, being the one watching someone else do your call. So when God says, answer my call, here's the invitation, our default answer must be yes. We must say yes to the call. So you and I are called to ignite fires. You and I, like I said to you before, even the most introverted person will will influence 10,000 people. And I see a lot of non-introvert people in this room. So I am sure that you can influence a lot of more than 10,000. It sounds a lot, but if I said to you, hey, look up there, 
Immediate you look. That's influence. Influence. Bang. Just like that. We influence. You and I are called to ignite fires. This is what I'm here for you today, to ignite your fire. Because God is calling you to the banquet table. And I tell you what, your banquet table is not going to look like the person next to you's banquet table. What God has put on your banquet table is exactly what you need for your call. If you look to the left, the person on your left, the person on your right, you'll see, hey, they've got these things, they've got these things. I don't have those things, but they need those things for their call. That's not going to help you. That's not going to help you. What's on your table is God-ordained banquet, and it's everything you need. I had no idea how God was going to use me with this course. And the demand is beyond. I mean, I could tell you testimony after testimony of how this Flourish course is working. Just alone in China, we are working with prostitutes, not ex-prostitutes, but Flourish is working in prostitute um, villages and areas, and God is working through them. People are getting saved. We are running it in Indonesia in Muslim schools. We are running it in Sri Lanka, many, many nations in different diverse... We are working in prisons in Thailand because of me just saying yes. God has a bigger picture for you and me than you and I can imagine. See, when we say yes to God, he has in mind much greater than you and I can imagine. And it can be scary. It can be scary, but let me tell you, if God's invitation has do this on it, and you say yes, you watch. You watch how God can do that. And like Sharon said before, the thing that will hold us back is fear. And Matthew 17, 20, and I don't have a slide for this, says all you need is the faith of a mustard seed. You know, a mustard seed is so tiny. And I said to the Lord, why just a mustard seed? Why do you only expect a mustard seed? And he told me two things. He said, because I know your humanity is frail and I know that's all you can believe for. It's enough. But also, I wanted you to see the distinction between a mustard seed and what I can do. It's so much greater. So that is all I require. You give me your mustard seed and you watch what I can do. The other thing is, it's James 2.22. I'm not sure. I think I may have that on. There you go. This would be one of my favorite scriptures. The reason why is because it's our vehicle mover. James 2.22 says, can't you see his faith and his actions working together by faith His faith was made perfect through his actions. Let me tell you this. When God calls you to something and you say, for example, oh, yes, God's called me to do teaching. Now I'm just going to wait till a sign happens. God, where's the sign? Then I'll be able to do it. God does not work that way. In fact, it's the complete opposite. God only works with moving vehicles. And he is asking you to take that step forward. When you move 
and he sees you moving by faith, he goes, okay, I can start working with them. That's the ones I can work with. I told you before, the enemy doesn't mind a few of us going to heaven, but he doesn't want us to be working in the call of God that he's got for us because that's a dangerous thing. And you know what? The very thing that God calls us to is the very thing that the enemy will attack us on. God has called me to speak. And in our previous life, when before we were missionaries, we were in business, and my husband was like the manager of an insurance company, and we had a team. This was in our wealthy life. Um, and God actually more, provides more now, by the way, because he's a good provider. But my husband had just finished a management team, and one of the guys was not really listening. So I just went up to him casually and said, hey, Paul actually said this, this, and this, and this. And he came up to me and said, who do you think you are? You are not my boss. Stop being so bossy and don't tell me what to do. And it was so in my face, and it went straight into my spirit. And this was a so-called friend And I tell you what, it stifled me and it stopped me from speaking. And every time I had an idea or any time I felt to speak, I go, no, I cannot. Because if I speak, people think I'm bossy. People think that, you know, what I've got to say is, you know, being opinionated or something like that. So the thing that God had put upon me, the enemy came and tried to steal from me. And, you know, God is... God is such a good God. You know, when God called us to Tasmania and we went through the financial revolution and lost everything, because my husband was a brilliant provider, but God was actually taking us on a journey. You want to know the journey? Buy the book. But, um, and it comes out happily ever after because God is on the throne. But I had to go and get work. And I was at the stage where it's like, don't ask me to speak, don't ask me to talk, I don't want to do anything. But I had to go and find work. And the only job that I could get was demonstrating products at a supermarket. And I had no idea what that meant. It was like, okay, I'll take that. And then I found out you had to engage people and speak. Well, my goodness me. The only thing that motivated me to do it was we needed the money. And it was like, do you want to try this? You probably don't, but, you know. And, but within months, I found I was getting confident. And with all the others, it's like, I'm going to sell more than they are. But God was starting to bring back to me the gifting that he put inside of me. And we had actually gone to Tasmania to help in a pioneer church. And then when the pastors left, we were running the church. And God started birthing words in my spirit to speak. And I'd say to Paul, I've got these words that I really feel to speak, but I can't speak because, you know, people will think I'm bossy. He said, you know you're called to speak. And the very first time I spoke in church, I tell you what, for the first hour before I spoke, I was on that toilet. I was so scared because I thought, what will I think? Am I telling them what to do? But I tell you what, God gave me a word and I spoke it. There was an altar call and God broke something in me. Because the enemy wants to take you out on the very thing that he's called you to. Genesis 50, 20 says this, if it's up there. You intended to harm me. The enemy intends to harm us. He wants to take us out on the very thing that he's called us to. But God. Don't we love but God? 
but God intended it for good to the accomplishment or to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God has put something on each and every one of us because it's about others. Yes, he wants to do something in us, but it's for others. It's for others' sake. And I want to ask you this afternoon, what seeds are inside of you? What seeds have been dormant inside of you? What seeds have been restricted and died inside of you, seemingly died inside of you because of someone spoken a word over your life, because of criticism, because of circumstances? What has been spoken over you? Russian scientists... I read this um, several years ago, but Russian scientists found these plants that were just stagnated in permafrost, which is like a hard ice, and they'd not grown. And what they did, they dug them out and they planted them in the right soil and they grew immediately as if nothing had ever happened between their first planting to their replanting. And I want to tell you, sometimes you may think that seed inside you has died, but it hasn't died. It's just dormant. But God is saying, just put it back into my hands and I will make it grow. And you just say yes to me. That that thing inside of you is not dead. It may be just stagnant, but I'm telling you, put it in the hands of God, in the right soil, get in the right environment, and it will grow. And it's time to answer the call of God. Just stand up. Whatever that is, whether it's to move into a ministry, change ministry, get into a new job, you know what it is. You know. You can say, I don't know, but you know. If you listen to the voice of God, he will tell you. And Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything, everything, Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, the pioneer and the perfecter of our call, the pioneer and perfecter of our destiny. We can trust that. Like Danielle said, you know, we can have a backpack of these worries and concerns. We need to throw them off and trust God in our journey. Dr. Anthony Campalo, a professor of sociology, surveyed a hundred seniors and not necessarily Christian seniors nearing the end of their life. And he said, ask them one question. He said, if you could have your life over one more time, what would you do differently? And these seniors said this, The first thing I would do, the top three answers were this. I would reflect more. These seniors said that they would take the time to think about what was going on in the world and live their lives with well thought out priorities and they would contemplate the meaning of life, family and work more. The second thing they said they would do, they would risk more. We can get too comfortable, girls and girls, ladies. Risk more. These people said that they would have taken more chances in life. If they could relive their lives, they would not have been so scared to take risks. They would have developed more courage to venture out of their comfort zones. 
The third thing they said they would do, the third top answer, do things that would outlast them. They wanted to know that their lives counted for something, that long after they'd left this world, somehow their impact would live on. We are not at the end of our lives. Unless you have a pine box waiting for you out there, we have a job to do. We have a call to answer. We need to say yes to God. There are potential out there. We need to understand there are books to be read, there are businesses to be started, there are ministries to be begun, there needs to be discoveries, missionaries, singers, servants, whatever your call. Don't let it lay in a cemetery somewhere. We have the opportunity today to say yes. And, you know, we don't want to get to the end of our lives and say, I wish I had. We want to get to the end of our lives and say, I'm glad I did. That is what God is saying to each one of us. You know, doubt will kill more dreams, more potential, more opportunity than failure will. Doubt, fear. God is just asking for a mustard seed of faith and trust. Can I get you to stand with me? Um, I don't know if we have someone that who can just play for a moment. I'm not going to call you out the front because you are an army. You are an army. And I want you to get with someone next to you and I want you to pray over their call because you can pray. And you can impart that faith step. So I want you to get a partner now. And as someone plays, thank you. And pray for each other and release that call into their lives. That's already there. It's already there. But it's time to start moving. Remember, God said this morning, you are an army. And there is a call upon you. God has sent you the King's invitation already. And everything you need is on your banquet table. So let's walk in that. Let's walk confidently in everything we need for our call is in on that banquet table. Amen? Amen. I'm just going to pray. Then I want you to get with your partner and just spend the next maybe two minutes praying for each other. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for that invitation that you have trusted us with. Lord, we don't have to trust in our own ability, but we trust in what you've put in our hands, what you've created us to be. And Lord, we choose to say yes today. We say yes to you, Lord God. We don't want to be the ones that's standing on the grandstand looking at someone else doing our call. Almighty God, let us not do that. Let us be the ones to answer the call that you have put in our lives today so that we can walk with ability and strength and confidence in all that you've called us to do, more than we ask or imagine. In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope you have been encouraged by this message. For more information, check out our website at desertlifechurch.org.